at Faithbrook, our vision is to lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ. Um, and so what we want to do is ask that as we are growing, and this fall we are going to go to two services um, because we are having issues with growth, which is such an answer to prayer. Um, God has just moved, and even in the summer months we are able to gather together, but in the fall it gets even busier. So we run out of parking spaces, our kids' areas are overflowing, um, which is just a wonderful problem to have. Um, our volunteer is what we are going to need to be able to go to two services. So we are gonna ask that you help us make room for two services. Make room for the people who are walking through the door. We have new homes being built up. I'm sure you can see as you're driving in, it looks different from a month ago, um, two months ago, six months ago, a year ago. It's a completely different landscape over there. So lots of new houses, that means lots of new people that are looking for God and we can make room for them. So I'm asking that if you don't currently volunteer that you would take one of these next step cards. Fill it out. I promise you I can find a way to help you find uh, a spot here at Faithbrook to volunteer. Um, we have a little bit or a lot of everything. If you would take one of those and drop it in the giving box, I personally will follow up with you. Um, and I just pray that uh, God guides our next steps. Um, as we go to the two services, it is a risky thing to do. Um, but we know that we are all journeying together and we are going to lead people into new and thriving lives in Christ. So thank you for taking that risk and doing that with us. Um, let's now welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series, H2O. Have you ever really desired some water maybe after a long run or a workout? Can you remember the last time you were desperate for anything replenishing and wet and, and watery that would just quench your thirst? I remember one of the most desperate times I needed some water was in high school. I was a sophomore in, in football, and it was a long time ago, and they put us in these things called two-a-days, and we were in the suburbs of Kansas City and Missouri, and it was hot and humid and dirty, and, and back then, it, they didn't just have water sitting around. You had to wait until the coaches called a break and then go over to the bleachers and find your cup of water. Man, I was so desperate and thirsty. And I still remember vividly those little uh, paper Coca-Cola cups with water laid out on the bench for all the players when they took a break. And it was the trainer of our Grandview Bulldogs. His name was Bob. His responsibility was to get all these cups of water ready for these thirsty football players. He had to find and, and pour in about 60 to 80 of these cups and, and Bobby would always want to play football, but for some reason, he had some disabilities. He was kind of a shorter guy. I remember he was a senior. I was a sophomore, and he, he had some uh, limitations. He walked with a limp, but he was dedicated to his mission. And every practice, he was making sure that he would fill out those, those cups of water. And man, did I appreciate that. I'd run over there and guzzle a couple of those cups of water. It's so appreciated. I never realized how valuable one little simple cup of water could be to me. Well, speaking of water, this is what we've been uh, swimming in, if you will, this summer here at Faithbrook. H2O is our series. We're just looking at a lot of the teachings and concepts in the Bible that has to do with water. And you probably know where I'm going this morning is with that phrase of the cup of cold water. If anyone gives a cup of cold water, does anybody know where that is at in the Bible? 
If so, I, I, I commend you. And I want to recognize you and welcome you here at Faithbrook today. I'm Pastor Jim, of course, and, and I appreciate Pastor Taylor. Let's give it up for Pastor Taylor, a one-man band this morning. The rest of the crew is up at family camp, and maybe this is your first time, second time. Welcome. Thanks for watching online. Uh, but we are talking about a cup of cold water, how precious that is. And Jesus speaks about this cup in chapter 10 of the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, I want to give you a little setup on how he got there and why he got there. But this is a pivoting chapter in Jesus' ministry with his disciples in chapter 10 of Matthew. If you look before the scriptures, you'll find that uh, these gentlemen have kind of started believing in this Jesus guy from Nazareth. Uh, they believe and kind of believe that he is the son of God. And so they've been modeling and, and watching him. And, and they've, they've seen him preach this dynamic sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. They just saw him raise someone from the dead. He's interceding for people who are sick. And surely this is the Messiah. And so in his town, Capernaum, he gathers them together and he says, now it's your turn. And this is your mission. This is what I want you to do. Basically, I want you to do what you just have been seeing me do for the last couple of months. And in Matthew 10, verse 7, he says, now I want you to go out and proclaim the message. In other words, I want you to become preachers. I want you to go out there and share what, what uh, I've been sharing, that the kingdom of heaven has come near. near. Also, don't forget, I want you to heal the sick. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to cleanse those with leprosy. I'm sure their eyes were like leprosy. We don't touch people with leprosy. It's that nasty, contagious uh, skin disease. And, and by the way, I want you to drive out demons. And he says, freely you have received. In other words, you've seen this. You've, your life's been touched by me. Now I want you to freely give. Everything became kind of quiet he continues on and he says, now do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. Just, just go by faith, right? I'm thinking, looking at each other like, are you kidding me? What are you talking about? We just, we just started this journey with you and you want us to go out and preach and take nothing? How are we going to survive? Oh yeah, and I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Get ready for that. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. In other words, be smart, be wise. And while you're out there, use integrity, uh, live in purity. Man, the stakes were high. The people were in, were in need of Jesus' ministry, and people were sick and dying and hurting. It's like, I want you to engage. I wanna, want you to run to the hurting. I want you to run to the fire. Would you be willing to do that? Do you think? There are people in our society, modern today, modern day society, that are, that are hurting and sick. Maybe not so much physically, but some other things going on behind the scenes. That someone needs to proclaim the good news. Someone needs to touch them and, and minister to them and, and help them. Now he continues to now be on your guard. Doesn't get much easier. You're going to be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. Uh, there's whipping involved. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to do that, right? And uh, you'll be hated by everyone. Oh, that's great, right? I'm already struggling with my identity, and now people are going to hate me more because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Uh, I don't know if you've discovered the, the Chosen um, streaming series yet, 
Uh, it is one of the most amazing accounts of Christ-like, and uh, they actually uh, dive into this Matthew 10 passage, and, and, and Dallas Jenkins and his crew did a, a great job, and I'll never forget how they portrayed this in the town of uh, Jesus, and they're in this living room, and he's telling them, now it's your time to go out there and be preachers and start uh, you know, casting out demons and healing sick, and they're just like, whoa, uh, we're not sure about this. Uh, it's totally uncertain, and, and there's Peter, he's kind of ahead of them, you know, and and he's just like, man, this is getting uncomfortable. We liked when you did the miracles and you're becoming popular and you're a great preacher and we kind of wanted you to be your followers and disciples. And, and now it's getting a little bit risky. Now there's getting, getting uncomfortable, right? And he pulls Jesus aside and he says, and the master, right? Uh, this is getting a little bit more difficult and uh, this is not what we thought. It's a little bit different. And Jesus looks him in the eye and says to Peter, get used to different. Get used to different, because a lot of times to engage the needy, to run to the fire, to, to help the poor and the sick and to proclaim the good news can be a little risky. So maybe you might be asking, well, that's nice for them. And that was those first century disciples. And, and that's for them. But is it for us? I, I claim to be a Christ follower. I try to follow Jesus. And, and I'm not sure if I want to do all that. Uh, that, that just seems overwhelming to me and frankly kind of makes me nervous. But maybe that's for, you know, like super Christians. You, you pastor people, right? You signed up to be a pastor. You, you go to the emergencies. You go to the hospital and deal with all kind of dicey, uh, uh, challenging things. You do that. And, and maybe you're like that Gus Lopez guy. He, he was here last year. He's his ex-convict and he's all fired up about Jesus. And God called him to go to North Minneapolis to bring hope to the hood, to start a church down there. Maybe he can reach the, the gang people, but, but you're not asking me, man. That's just too much. I'm not sure about that. Maybe it's for the missionaries. You know, they're, they're willing to leave their families and go overseas and go into different cultures and risky things and, and do that, but, but not me, right? And if we're honest, we're, we're kind of intimidated by this, this passage. We don't really want to do that. I'm not sure, right? Well, Jesus then, knowing their hearts, continues on in this chapter and says, whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. In other words, he says to his disciples, I need you to be all in. I need you to be willing to do this. And then he says this, whoever finds their life will lose it. Those who, man, I found life. I got it good. I got the world by the tail. Look at me. I'm experiencing all these great things. Somewhere, we're going to come to the end, and we will lose it. We'll find that when life's all about us and how I can be satisfied and how much fun and entertainment, we're going to face a God. He's going to ask us, what would you do with what I gave you? And there's going to be a loss. There's going to be a damnation. But he says, whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. What does he mean by that? Jesus starting to open up this window to these, these young, uh, naive disciples, trying to help them understand that there can be more life than just what they see or what the culture is offering them, that they can find purpose, they can find satisfaction, they can find fulfillment. This summer, we've been talking about H2O and how uh, the water and, and uh, uh, steam and, and ice can come together. And one of the elements was mirages. 
the heat tricks our eyes and feels like there's an oasis of water and there's just where we need to go and we find that it's not true, it's just a mirage. And a lot of times that's what our world does to us. Come this way, experience this, it's gonna be awesome, right? You don't need to do that Jesus thing, that religious thing, you don't need that, that's for the weak, come on over here. And we eventually find it's not as satisfying as we thought. We find there's a lot of regrets. There's a lot of damage. There's a lot of attention there. It's tricked us. It's deceived us. But Jesus said, oh, if you're willing to lose your life for my sake, you will find it. I appreciate uh, what you, how Eugene Peterson interpreted this, this passage, this verse, in his message interpretation. He says, if it's your first concern is to look after yourself, You'll never find yourself. You'll always be chasing. You'll always be on the surface and not finding true purpose. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, Christ, you will find both yourself and me. Let that sink in a little bit. If you're willing to lose yourself, you're not only going to find God in alignment and have peace with God, but you're going to find your true identity, some deep fulfillment and satisfaction in your life. This is what Jesus is calling us. This is what Jesus is calling the disciples to do. And yes, he calls us to do some big, scary things that can be risky. And maybe we're a little bit intimidated by that. And maybe we're not ready to sign up for that just yet. And then Jesus drops us in in verse... 42. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Can you give a little cup of cold water to one of these little ones? Maybe a little, a child that's a little thirsty. Jesus goes from these big, hairy, scary things, right, down to a little insignificant simple act of giving a cup of water. That seems so small. That seems so insignificant, but maybe that's the point. That even the smallest act of love and kindness can touch a life that can bring Jesus in someone's life. Maybe it's, it's finding a child that's really thirsty and their face is red and it's like, let me get you a, a cup of water, youngin. Maybe it's, a, it's an adult to say, hey, man, can I buy you a cup of coffee? You've had a rough day. Let me help you there. Maybe it's just having a listening ear. Your neighbor or someone at your workplace, there's something going on in their family, and they just wish they could just vent. They wish that someone would not judge them, but just be there to minister and to listen to them. Maybe it's helping with someone that needs some, some help in some regard or, or a, little, a couple of dollars to encourage them and get them through this time. And so Jesus brings it from the big and scary down to the very small and simple, a cup of cold water. I can, I can do that. And he says it like this. He says, if you can do that, if you're willing to do that to the least of these, you will not lose your reward. Really? Man, that, that, that's, that's like high value. A reward is important and you would not lose it if you're willing just to give a cup of cold water. Now, when we think of a reward, we're kind of thinking, oh, he must mean heaven, right? Uh, heaven, man, streets of gold. There's going to be eternal life. Uh, there's going to be this paradise with God. It's going to be awesome. I don't want to lose that. But could there be another type of reward? 
Could I offer you the, the reward of satisfaction? The reward to being fulfilled? That you know what? That felt right. There's something going on in my life and my heart that when I care and when I serve, there's some satisfaction. I, I'm finding, feeling good about myself. That's not an accident because the word of God tells us that when we were designed, we were designed for a purpose. And we weren't designed to just always be fulfilling ourselves and our needs. First, we were designed to worship God, to give him glory, to see him and, and know him first of all in our life. And then that spills over to our everyday life that we become his examples. We become his ambassadors. We become his hands and feet. And what he would do, we would do like him in the serve and the love and care. Jesus would always bring this up. He's my vision for you is to be salt and light, to be the champion for good, to be a champion of righteousness. How can you engage? How can you help like I would do? And we find ourselves when we align with God's will, when we align with keeping our eyes fixed on Christ, there is a satisfaction. There's a peace deep in our heart. Well, Jesus continued to call him to this, this ministry. And sometimes it was risky. Sometimes it was daring and would be challenging. Have you ever seen anybody step up and do something scary and challenging in the name of Jesus or for a noble cause? One of the movies, that some of this came out that's really intrigued me and profound affected me was The Sound of Freedom. Maybe you saw that movie. It's a true story of one of our FBI agents, Tim Ballard, who was uh, his... Part of his mission was to deal with sex traffickers, especially children's pornography. And it just bugged him so bad that they could not really get to the source. Children continued to be kidnapped and used and abused. And, and he had to do something. He finds himself going down to Central America to catch the really bad guys. And he's running to these parents that their children have been kidnapped. And now they, they don't know where they're at. And, and the bad guys are using them and trafficking them. And something has to happen. It just wrecked him. It just tore him up. And he put his career on his line. He put his life on the line. He put his family on the line to track down the worst of the worst and stopped the sex trafficking of children. He did the heroism act. He did the thing that would scare us. He would go. And many of us are not called to do that. But maybe we are called to do some other things that might take some risks, that take, make, some, make some costs to preach and to heal and to, to raise the dead and engage the most fierce challenges. But at the same time, God also calls us to be willing to offer a cup of cold water. Jesus didn't leave the people that can give a cup of cold water out. The simple acts of servanthood, the simple acts of kindness. We remember the Last Supper. That's exactly what Jesus did. That he's coming to the Last Supper, and he noticed that there's someone that needs to clean the feet. Nobody's stepping up there. There's not a servant. It's, it's a humiliating, menial task, and so he's the one that takes the towel. He's the one that stoops down and starts cleaning the feet. Teaches, Jesus talked about the Good Samaritan. Everyone else is blowing by the, the person on the side of the street that's hurting, that's bleeding. The Good Samaritan's the one who stopped and said, I'll do something. If it costs me something, I'll help you. But I'll stop what I'm doing. I'll give you a cup of cold water and even more. The Gospel of Mark says this, this verse a little bit differently. 
The Gospel of Mark says, Truly, truly, I tell you, anyone who gives a cup of water in my name, in my name, it's when we act in Christ's name that it makes a difference for eternity. John 15, 15 says, If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And when we're apart from God and not doing it in his name, then it doesn't really make an impact spiritually. But it's when we do it in Jesus' name, when Jesus lives within us. But is Jesus living within us? Can I uh, suggest this to you that a lot of times we don't have the gumption, the love, the motivation to help other people because we haven't taken time to let our life be filled with God's love. See, I would suggest that we're all a, a, a cup ourselves. We're all kind of a, a vessel. And it's our choice what we allow to, to let be poured into our life. The world is always going to be offering something and just step right up to that dispenser, what we are le- reading, what we are listening to, who we're hanging out with, what the entertainment, uh, knowledge is coming to our life. We're being filled with something. And Jesus is standing and said, man, I want to fill your life. I want to fill you with my promises, with my truth, with my love, um, with my goodness in your life. But are we taking time to be filled with his love so we can pour his love out in his name? Last week, we talked about our busy lives and how we need to find those quiet waters. We need to find those green pastures. And there we nurture our soul to restore our soul in his righteousness. Are we taking time? Maybe it's just three minutes a day just to read the verse of the day, to meditate on that a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit more. Maybe it's some worship music and maybe some Bible reading, reflection and study. And we're just letting the love of God, the truth of God, because we're all being depleted somehow. And so when the need shows up, our kids need us, our neighbor needs us, our spouse needs us, God needs us. We got something to pour out. And yes, it will cost us sometimes. It's hard a lot of times to touch the people with diseases, to deal with the tricky circumstances, to to raise the dead and to preach the gospel. I like what Samuel Chadwick said, compassion costs. It's easy enough to argue, criticize, and condemn, but redemption is costly. Oh, it's so easy to say, man, you ought to do that, and you shouldn't have done that. But who's the person that would think about redemption, to love, to, to restore? But redemption is costly, and comfort draws from the deep. Brains can argue, but it takes a heart to comfort. It takes a heart of Jesus to be able to pour out his love and say, can I help you there? Let me help. I'll give you this. I'm available because I've been to the still waters. I've been restoring my soul with Christ. So it's not me, but it's him. How can I help and serve? So what are you allowing to pour into your life? Is it all about you and how you can have the greatest life and satisfaction and fun? Or are you taking some time to pour in Jesus? He believes in you. He's got a mission for you. He can use you. He wants you to be his ambassador at your work and for your community and your family to show love. Sometimes these big hairy asks, oh, to proclaim that the kingdom is near, 
to cast out demons, to, to touch the disease, and, and to deal with people can be overwhelming, and we're not sure about that. But man, a cup of cold water, maybe I can do that. Sometimes we say, well, opening a door, maybe texting someone, how you been? I've been thinking about you. It's not that big a deal, right? Does it really matter? Does it make an impact? It reminds me of the story about the boy and the starfish. You might have heard this before about the man walking along this, this beach and he, he finds this boy uh, going around picking up starfish and throwing them in the ocean. The man notices that there's just like hundreds and thousands of starfish and, and he comes up to the boy and says, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm, I'm throwing these starfish back in the ocean. And he explains to the man, he says, well, the tide is going out and these starfish, if they don't stay in the water, they're, they're going to dry up and die. And so I'm trying to throw them back in the ocean. The man says, well, that's ridiculous. Look around you. There's just like thousands of these starfish. You really can't make a difference. The boy quiets himself, bends down, picks up a starfish, looks the man in the eye and throws it into the ocean and says to the man, I made a difference to that one. That one's going to live. This, I think, what Jesus is calling us. Man, we might not be called to be in great things, missionaries, preachers, right? Something uh, uh, overwhelming. But everyone can carry a cup of water. Everyone can be like that trainer in my high school days that said, yes, I can pour those cups of water for the thirsty people. How can I help you? Let me do that. And so anytime you give a cup of water, in his name, you are giving Jesus. See, I believe that the world is draining us. The world is after us. There's a lot of deception out there. Nothing's really satisfying. But who would be the people that would pierce the darkness? Who would be the people that would be as shrewd as, as snakes and innocent as doves to just nuzzle up against, against people, befriend people, ask them, how you doing? Is there something that you, you might need? Here's a cup of cold water. So how can we do this? How can you do it? How can we do it? I'm kind of a connoisseur of this. Uh, Who's running to the fire? Who's helping people in Jesus' name and giving Jesus? Uh, uh, Corporately, we can do some things. I've always noticed that, how many of you know the the radio station KTIS 98.5 FM, right? They do the Friday drive-through difference day. The Friday drive-through difference day is when they want their listeners to go to, you know, drive-throughs, caribou, whatever, and pay for the person behind them. And let them know it's through this uh, ambition of this radio station to make a difference. I'm really intrigued to one of our sister churches down in the neighborhoods of deep St. Paul, Minnesota. Down in their neighborhood, there's this church called Mosaic. And there's this pastor and wife that went down there 10 years ago. And they kind of uh, restarted this broken down uh, Nazarene church. We're part of this Nazarene movement. And they saw the need because there's so many immigrants coming down. There's like 20, 25 different languages and cultures down there. And so we could just somehow bring them together. And they realized one of the greatest needs was just immigration. There's a lot of illegal uh, immigrants down there just kind of hiding in the wings. There's, it's just hard to get legalized. And so the government asked if anyone would take a little bit of schooling. The government would like to put little immigration centers in different 
community centers, churches, if you will. And so this mosaic said, we'll do that. And a couple of their people signed up to take the classes. And so they opened this immigration center, this little office in the basement of the church. And for $40, an illegal immigrant could come in there and have some counsel on how to do it. Because a lot of times it takes thousands of dollars to get a, a lawyer. They don't want to do with it, right? Because there's all these uh, forms and, and hoops you got to jump through. But these Christian little people say, no, just sit right down here. Here, I'll help you translate and get things going. Here's your roadmaps. Here's your next um, steps to become legalized in America. At the same time, they have a little slice of land in the back of their little church, and they were they allowed they uh, leveled it off because they wanted to start a little homeless community, a little village. There's an organization called, uh, I think, Settlement. They realize there's, a, there's an epidemic in America of homelessness, right? People want to be compassionate about homeless people. Some people open shelters, come in for the night, but you're kicked out the next day, and everybody's just kind of just uh, not going anywhere. And so we want a long-term solution to fix some homelessness. And so the settlement ministry came together and said, let's bring churches together and let's build these little tiny home villages. And so on their little slice of land behind their church, there's six little tiny homes, mini homes. And four of the homes are for the homeless and two of them are for like missionaries who will live with them. And so they vetted some of the homeless people and said, listen, we're going to give you a chance. Come on over, and we want you to have a little home. It's going to be your responsibility to pay rent, to take care of it. We're going to live in community. we got these missionary people. We're living right next to you in their little tiny home, and they're going to help you. And right there is the church basement, and we're going to re-outfit that to make that kind of a community center. This is where you're going to have your kitchen and your laundry and your showers and your dining room right here in the bottom of this this um, basement, Faithbrook kind of jumped in there and helped them uh, re-outfit their bathrooms to make it handicap accessible. And they had to fight the city because the city's like, oh, I'm not sure about that. The neighbor's like, oh, I'm not sure about homeless living right next to us. And for three years, they just continued to battle and to call and help. And finally, the city says, well, we'll let you try this. We'll let you try. And so they've been courageously, collectively giving cups of cold water in Jesus' name because people need Jesus. Faithbrook is trying to do their part. Four or five times a year, we, we tried to come together and, and give you a chance to care for the needy, the people in our community that need some cup of cold water. This last spring, you gave uh, generously to foster family needs uh, that they could come and get some supplies. This last month, July, uh, you collected supplies and over 50 backpacks are being offered to people in our community that are in poverty, that need a little bit of help financially. Praise God. We, we give uh, food poundings. Um, we even have some crazy people who's willing to go down to South America this coming March to get on some boats to go up the Amazon to find some villagers up there to give them Christ. There's about 10. They could take five more, maybe 10 more. I'm not sure. But they're doing Matthew 10. They're willing to take vacation time to fly down to a, a strange place with some strange people and get on this missionary boat of the Amazon full of piranhas, right? And get out in some villages and show the Jesus film and bring some love and some smiles. They're not like trying to change the world, but they're just bringing a little cup of cold water in Jesus' name to encourage the villagers and share Christ. So that's corporately, but what could we do individually? 
How could we be like Bobby the trainer, say, what cups could I fill up? What cups of cold water could I give? Lately, our, our church has had the opportunity to minister to Jackson Ethel Zira's family. Many of you heard about this, this family. Uh, Jackson is our church custodian. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, their 18-year-old daughter up in St. Cloud was in a tragic um, car accident, and she's become paralyzed. And she's down in, in Hennepin, and now she's in rehab, and she's paralyzed. She can barely feel her, her hands and her feet. Their whole world's been up, turned upside down. How scary, how, how concerning is. And so you have been reaching out to them individually. You've been sending cards and bringing meals, and many of you have given money. And it's going to be a long road for this family. He texted me this morning and said, Pastor Jim, I can't be at church today. I'm going to be with my daughter. Her name is Courage, and she's trying every day. She's in that mourning process right now, realizing she's probably never going to walk again. There's, a, there's almost a crying, constant crying of grieving, of change. But you are doing your best. Can we solve her physical needs? Uh, can we uh, reverse course? No, but we can come with some encouragement. I'm praying for you. Here's a couple of bucks. How's she doing? Here's a note. Here's a card. Here's a meal. Here's some cookies. We care. We can't be a preacher. Maybe maybe we can't change the earth, but we can bring you a cup of cold water. How can you do that? One of the things that intrigues me is on Wednesdays, we have this Bible study with Pastor Peggy. She does a great job, and a couple of our ladies stay afterwards, and their ministry, their volunteer ministry, is cutting out little kid, children's crafts things. So when your children show up on summer Sundays, they're going to have something for those kids to do, some crafts, and they give their time in a very simple act of love. We have other people throughout their church that give their time. Some people show up and try to pull some weeds around here. Some people come up early and, and work on our tech booth early on Sunday mornings. There are many volunteers that greet. There's something special about those children's volunteers that says, I will love your children. I got children of my own, but I'll be willing to serve once or, once or twice a month for your children. So when you bring your children in, you've had a hard week and you've been busy. And when you take them down our hallway, there are people right now who are in those rooms said, I'm here. I'm not the preacher. I'm not the, the amazing guitarist guy, whatever. And I don't even know if I can do this children's thing, but I'm willing to give a cup of cold water to your children and love them in Jesus' name. And we can do this not, not only in the church, but outside the church in everyday life. I know one of the ways Terry and I try to give a, a cup of cold water is a lot of times we'll go into a, a, a fast food place at the counter and there'll be some newbie trainee, right? And you can just see that they are so anxious in their eyes. They're not sure and they've been yelled out stuff and we get up there and, and they're pushing that button and they're all worried and we just say, hey, hey, it's okay. How, how many days have you been on the job? This is my third day, right? We're like, just relax. We're, we're okay. We're not going to yell at you. Just, just take your time. You can just tell them, say, thank you. Thank you. And they learn their job. It's those small things. It's opening doors for people. It's giving someone a compliment. It's extending someone some patience. It's, it's listening and just letting people be heard. How many people just want to, to share do you have a listening ear? It's, it's giving a couple of cold waters, walking across the lobby, walking across and meeting someone. You know, I haven't met you yet. Introducing yourself. Where do you live? How's your kids doing? 
Next thing you know, that's just so refreshing. I want to belong. I wonder if people will care and love about me. We can do that every day. We don't always have to be the big audacious things. This was Jesus' point to these young newbie disciples of Christ. Hey, boys, get ready. Strap up. We're going in. I need you to preach. I need you to cast out demons. I need you to raise the dead. Oh, yeah. Don't forget. If you do just the smallest thing, a cup of cold water, that's highly valuable to me. Yes, it might cost you some things. Yes, it's probably going to be uncomfortable, but you will not lose your reward. You will not lose your reward in heaven, but maybe more importantly, your inner renewal reward. That there is a satisfaction, fulfillment, alignment with God. Because anytime you give a cup of cold water, you are giving Jesus. So I want to encourage you this week. What can you do? Some simple acts to love people. To be open and sensitive. Hey, can I help you with that? I see you need some help with some groceries maybe. Or, or maybe some generosity and some compassion in big ways in small ways. Let me close up with a couple of amazing stories. Um, I keep abreast on courageous acts, uh, people loving in Jesus' name. And many of you know that we're part of a movement called the Church of Nazarene. And, and Faithwork is just one of about 31,000 churches around the world. Uh, we're, we're, we're not all mega churches, but we're just trying to do our part to love people. And we have a couple churches of all places in Ukraine. And many of you know that they, Ukraine was uh, under siege from, from Russia and, and Putin, and it's, been, it's just been hellish over there in Ukraine. Well, I saw a story of just this last month that uh, Putin and his generals were lobbing in missiles and, and bombs into Odessa, Ukraine, and people were, were uh, getting killed and buildings were being bombed. And, and there was a little Nazarene church sitting in Odessa right next to an apartment complex. And one evening, missiles came in and hit that apartment complex, and people died, and at least 25 apartments were affected, and people were displaced in the middle of the night. And right next to this apartment is this little Nazarene church. And, and that church has this little pastor and his lay people. And they heard the bombing, and they realized it had right, right happened to their church. And so they came out of their, their bomb shelters, and they started running through the night to get to this apartment and figure out if their church got hit and if there's any damage. And the, the police and the army stopped them and said, you cannot be running out in the streets. There's a curfew. Go back to your bomb shelters. There's missiles coming in. And they persuaded the police and said, no, we're, we're the pastor of this little no, local Nazarene church. We understand there are people who are hurting. There are people displaced. There's no place to, to stay. And maybe our building is still up. Can, can we go? And they allowed them to go. And they ran to their, their church. And the windows were blown out. And some of the doors were off their hinges. And inside there was glass and shrapnel. But right next door, there was an apartment on fire. People standing out in the streets. Some hurt, some wounded. And right then, the people of God pulled it together and said, man, let's clean up this place. Let's open up the doors that are still on and let's allow these people to have a shelter right here. And they ministered in Jesus' name. People later asked them, we can't believe you did that. Wasn't you afraid that more missiles would come in? Well, why didn't you stay in your bomb shelter? They, they interviewed the pastor and he said this, it is our choice to be where we are. We're not planning to go anywhere because this is our place, our ministry, 
our church, and we're here to serve the people. My friends, that's courageous to me. That's giving a lot, that's giving buckets of water in Jesus' name. At the same time, I heard a story this last week. Many of us up were up in Alexandria. Some of our uh, seniors were up there um, participating in the family camp. And I got a call one day and said, Pastor Jim, we're kind of in trouble. Uh, we were at the hotel and we got a lot of heavy luggage. And our room is in the second story. And we're really struggling getting up into, out of our car. Up. Is there anybody in the church be willing to come over in the middle of the afternoon and help us get in our room? I said, sure, let me make some calls. I texted some people, and a couple of our young people immediately went over there and helped get that luggage up into the room and said, thank you very much. Some people say, well, that wasn't that much, right? They didn't have to sacrifice that much. But for those senior citizens, that was an act of love. I think this is what Christ was trying to tell us. It's not always the big, hairy things, but it's the simple things. Can I help you? Just being sensitive as someone that might be sad, Someone might need a, a, a handshake or a, a lift up and say, man, I, I can help you. I can do that. Would you be willing to do that? Because anytime you give just the least of a cup of cold water, you give Jesus to people. Let's stand and we'll close up in prayer. Gracious God, we're so thankful that you were the one that gave yourself. You were the one that was willing to be poured out on our behalf. When we wasn't even paying attention, you were paying attention to us. And Father, when we started realizing that we're in need, we're the one that's broken, we're the one that's diseased, we're the one that's dead, you came to our life and died on the cross for us to give us life. And you are there to help us, God, when we're down, we're lonely, we're sad, we're insecure. You're there. Sometimes in amazing, miraculous ways, you show up. But many times, you come and give us just a little nudge, a little of assurance, a little cup of cold water to keep going. May we do that to others, God. May we see the need and go in your name. Because anytime we serve, volunteer, love people, we give them Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, thanks for watching today online. Thanks for participating, worshiping. Have a great week. You're dismissed. <laughs>